The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is Amay Letkin. Amay is a writer and performer living in New York City. A few years ago, Amay realized she had spent the last six years of her life being single. She skeptically decided she would commit to dating again, including trying to make herself over. And we chat about that experience and the problems involved in society's expectations of dating and self-love. Hey, Amay, how's it going? It's pretty good. It's a beautiful day today, huh? It's Yeah, I feel like we're hitting that part where you're like, oh, I'm actually having reasons to want to be outside in New York versus just like wanting to sit in my apartment all the time. Yeah, I have a very small window where I can enjoy spring before the allergies hit me and it feels like I'm being attacked by the air. Yeah, I'm feeling it this week. <laughs> like I'm starting to get that like the the throat yes. where you're like, I feel like I'm sick, but I just know that this is my allergies. Yeah, it's a scary time to have that feeling, but exactly. <laughs> it's not going away. Bad, bad time to have your allergy symptoms flare up. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for doing this. Um, yeah, what what did you want to talk about today? Uh, well, I guess I'm mostly talking about my book because it's sort of about all the stuff that you talk about on this podcast all the time. Yes. So you wrote this book called The Lonely Hunter that I think kind of, yeah, it, it encapsulates sort of like this I, this journey through love, I guess. Or yeah. Like- I mean, the reason I started writing the book is because I had been single for six years. I'd had sex like once in all that time. And before those six years, I was like pretty what would be considered like normal, whatever that means. But like, you know, I had a regular relationships. I dated. I had sex. And uh, I was pretty confident in my ability to keep doing that. So it was like kind of a weird thing where suddenly I like stepped off the road <laughs> that I was traveling. That was Yeah, like the dating road, I guess. The dating road or like what people would consider kind of average adult behavior romantically. I mean, at this point in my life, I understand that that's like an illusion and there is no definitive way to become an adult and enter romantic relationships and sexual relationships. People are so different. But at the time, I felt like there's something very strange about me not suddenly like for six years, just like exiting this path that I was on. Yeah. I And I guess because a little bit of it is like it's so ingrained in society, right? Like yeah. it's this it's this thing that we have just come to accept, right? As like, this is a path you're supposed to be on. Yeah, and I think it's really important to the continued, you know, function of society as it is, as peop- as the establishment, establishment wishes it to be, that we continue to believe that that's the way to exist. Like, that's the norm and what you should aspire to. Uh, and it's a really damaging myth to a lot of people. So the, the, be- the book begins because I was like at a dinner party with friends and all of them were coupled Some were engaged and they asked me about my love life. Uh, And because they're like close friends, I kind of was like, oh, I can tell them the truth. And I was like, you know, I haven't been with anyone in six years. And I kind of think I may never be with anybody ever again. And they had like a really crazy reaction to that or like a reaction I didn't understand. It was like they're almost annoyed with me, almost angry. And they're my friends, right? And they're pretty compassionate, lovely people. Like I do love and respect them. I don't think of them as being small minded, but they just like wouldn't. (laughs) <laughs> kind of they wouldn't, they like, wouldn't let like, let like space exist for the possibility that what I was saying was true and it's not like I wanted them to be like you know you're, you're right no one will ever love you <laughs> like I don't want that necessarily but just to be <laughs> like hey you just said you don't think you're ever going to meet anyone again what's that feel like like what do you imagine like just like a more curiosity about it rather than get trying to sol- solve the issue as they saw it 
Yeah, like kind of like asking you sort of what that life would look like versus like you can't be alone. Like you're not allowed to be alone. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not one of those people who's like being single rocks. Like, you know, (laughs) single positivity. I'm a single gal and I love it. I don't feel that way necessarily. I mean, sometimes I feel good about it. I definitely see relationships that I do not envy. Um, And there are things about like having the freedom of your autonomy, uh, especially as you get older, that you know, other people are not going to experience that are actually really special. But I, you know, sometimes do want to be in a relationship. It's kind of like back and forth. But in that time, it was like, I couldn't even like say, you know, I don't think love is destiny. I don't think we all end up with somebody or are inevitably going to meet somebody, especially because that story, that happily ever after thing, you know, a lot of people admit, oh, you know, you get married is not happily ever after, but they won't admit you won't get that moment of like validation of like culmination in your history and your story. Um, But to me, logically, why should you? Like not everybody is going to meet someone and they might be great, but that doesn't mean that the timing will be right. They'll meet the right person in the right moment. So, um, you know, I kind of eventually shut up. (laughs) I was like at this dinner party arguing with people. Yeah, because you're just like, I don't want to, I don't want people keep bugging me about this now. I'd rather be supported than interrogated. Yeah, but I think what made me feel bad in that moment wasn't that I was single. It was that I couldn't talk about my real experience. You know, I couldn't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And that like creates shame, right? When you're not allowed to talk about something or people are discouraging you from talking about something. And I hadn't necessarily felt ashamed about being single, but it like made me more self-conscious about it for sure. Which, yeah, I mean, that's honestly, that's another reason I think kind of this podcast started was just like talking about things that people aren't necessarily talking about in an open way. So it's like kind of, again, leading into you getting to this point of writing a whole book about this thing that (laughs) is like, yeah, comes from a place of like shame, I guess, or not should be a place of shame, but like can be a place of shame based on how society sets it up. Yeah. I mean, well, the thing is, after that dinner party, I wrote this essay and it went kind of viral and I started to get all these messages and responses from people who were sort of in the same boat or like having a similar experience. And it made me realize how common it was actually to be an adult and go through long periods of, you know, voluntary and voluntary celibacy. <laughs> and it's like, I wish everyone could see each other because all these messages were also just like so loaded with feeling loaded with shame or despair. And a lot of people just saying how like one of the hardest things about being single wasn't that they didn't have a partner, but that they felt excluded from what is considered normal in society They felt excluded as their, like, friends grew up and got married and had kids. All that stuff. And I was just like, well, is it just that the world is structured in this messed up way for people who are single? Or is it that I am, like, a weirdo (laughs) and I need to change? (laughs) And then I can, like, conform and be like everybody else. Um, Which sort of, like, leads into, like, what I sort of wanted to talk about today. Which, I mean, there's a lot of different sections of the book, a lot of different parts of the story. And I try to address systemic issues and how they relate to isolation and singleness and why we like kind of conflate being single with being alone. But early in the book, you know, I get all, I get this huge response and there are a lot of people who are very supportive and like, this is me. And then there's like a subset of people who are like, you know what? You should probably lose weight. <laughs> you should probably like work on yourself because you have a really negative attitude. And, you know, if you just. Yeah. Like you're the problem. Like, Yes. Yeah. And it's, it might be true, you know, I mean, if I were more conventionally attractive, I probably would attract more possibilities in the dating world, whatever. Like, that's not untrue. 
But is like every person in a relationship attractive? Is every person in a relationship self-actualized? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I uh, kind of made this resolution where I was like, okay, everyone's telling me that I'm the problem and I need to change. And if I do all the right steps and I do all the right things, I will be rewarded at the end with a loving relationship. And I'm going to prove to them that they are wrong. <laughs> but there is definitely some part of me that kind of hoped they were right. Because wouldn't that be easier? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. And if I just like <laughs> yeah, I guess did the right stuff. You have your like Cinderella moment or whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like you come out on the other side and this person is waiting for you who's just been. I yeah, like I cleared all I cleared the brush and they can see me finally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. So you like you half like don't buy it, but then you're half like, well, if this works for me, it, I'm not going to yeah, complain. Like exactly. I mean, I think for me, I always have a, I kind of have a cynical view on the world, and I understand that about myself. And I admire people who live in the most positive uh, side of their brain, their most grateful part of themselves. But I also think those types of people are like will fucking jump down your throat if you express a negative thought. And I just think that's so inhuman. Like we are allowed to feel badly about things to process them. And also feeling badly teaches you. It teaches you, I don't want to do this anymore. Or like, this is not good for me. Um, Feeling bad is a normal part of being a human. And I think like positive thinking really tries to crush that out of people and make them again, feel ashamed to even feel bad about bad circumstances. You know, like you're like, you're bringing it on yourself. With your bad thinking and your bad attitude. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that totally makes sense. I mean, it's that like being negative towards negativity and it's his own way a problematic thing, right? It's like because they just like, oh, you can't be you can't be you can't feel this way about something and then get on you about it. Yeah. Is like part of the problem, right? Like, like Yeah, but I, I also think people confuse the idea of like self-transformation and self-love and developing yourself with seeking external validation by being more attractive, right? And I think those things get conflated and entwined again very easily because of capitalism. Sorry, I'm going to bring everything back to capitalism, but I think capitalism is very good at taking like a nice idea and packaging it so it could be something that's sold to you. And I think that's true of like wellness culture. It's true of self-care culture. Uh, and I think, you know, we don't call self-love culture a culture, but I think it is. I think there's this pressure to be like, love yourself all the time. You know, sometimes I don't love myself and that's okay. I have tried to have compassion for myself. <laughs> you know, I try to have respect for myself, but sometimes I don't love where I'm at or what I'm doing and that's okay too. Yeah. And I guess it's that element of like, it's love yourself and here are the things you need to buy and to do to love yourself. Exactly. Right? Like, going back like to that this is how you can thing. express that like, love through a face mask. This is how you can express that love by like <laughs> spending money on a luxury vacation. Yeah. And in your mind, you just want to be like, hey, it's okay if you don't love yourself yeah. today. <laughs> Try again tomorrow, man. Like that's worth- okay. Yeah, exactly. Like you're not like. <laughs> Go for a walk. I don't you're know. You're not a waste because you just felt like this <laughs> yes. today. Uh, but because I was getting all this advice that like kind of focused on my appearance a lot. I, you know, made an effort to transform. Like, I kind of wanted to think of myself as someone who wasn't very easily influenced by people's opinion of me, but clearly I was. And it was also, like, a very intense amount of opinions, you know? It wasn't just, like, something casual. I was getting it a lot from different people. So I started in the first few months of that year after that dinner party. I was like, okay, I'll do a resolution. And I started dieting. I started working out. And I changed my clothes. I changed my hair. I did have a physical transformation. I lost a fair amount of weight and like started dressing better and taking better care of my skin. And I looked different. 
And you know what? They're right. I did feel better. But then I was like, why do I feel better? Okay, so there's the actual effects of like exercise, eating well. Those will make you probably feel better. It's better for my depression yeah, for sure. Like just, there's a physical component to that. Yeah, like there's a chemical thing happening in that part of that yeah. process. But then I realized that people were treating me very, very differently. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> and it wasn't like, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure people would consider me like fat or I think of myself as like more midsize. I'm like average. And I don't think it's bad that people think of me as fat. But I'm just like trying to paint a picture that I wasn't like – this super conventionally, by our very narrow standards, conventionally attractive person. But by losing a little weight and like getting a better haircut and like dressing more feminine and doing makeup, it kind of like moved me another inch closer to this ridiculous ideal. Yeah, on this weird this scale. Weird scale you've like... moved up. Yes. And everywhere I go, people were commenting on it. But they, I noticed that they commented on it in a very strange way. They're like, Gosh, your energy is so good today. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but you seem like so <laughs> you're going through something like you look amazing. Um, and they were being super kind, super generous. And maybe they were like noticing that I was going through this thing or I'm trying to transform myself and they were trying to be supportive. But it really felt like they yeah. were just like um, amazed more attractive. <laughs> and in the way that I think of con- attractiveness in this very conventional way. Yeah, in a way that they're not trying to flat out be like, oh, you're more conventionally attractive where they're using these like coded phrases of like your energy. <laughs> yes, so I think that they saw this like physical change and they interpreted it as an internal change. And it wasn't really. I, I think like the main internal change was just like, oh, I guess I can stick to a diet. I can work out every day. And that's like not nothing. I had been like very reluctant yeah, to do those yeah. things because I'm depressed because I don't have the time energy Whatever. So that did feel good as like a, oh, I accomplished this thing that's supposed to be really hard because it is really hard. But it's not as hard as being different in terms of how you see the world and how you feel about yourself and others. Like it's just not like our true internal change, I think, takes a lot more than an external one, in my opinion. What do you think? No, I think that's true because it's like, uh, you know, it's it's funny because... I mean, this is not quite related, but like when I my first like college like uh, relationship, which was my first ever relationship that ended uh, when I was like the beginning of my sophomore year. And I went, I think, like two years, like not in a relationship, not having sex or and and in that time was spending a lot of time being like, well, who do I want to be like kind of doing the mental stuff of like, who who do I want to be as a person? What do I want in a partner? Um, and but like I, you know, wasn't even thinking of And I guess this might be also kind of societal's like man versus women and how they look at that, because I don't in no part of me was ever like I should go to the gym or do this or that. Like I never, never crossed my mind. But I was like more of like, who do I want to be and and kind of like, what do I care about and what matters, Um, which I think is all really in my mind. I was like doing the important work in that kind of sense and not weren't like thinking about that other sense. But the funny thing was like I hit probably in like maybe a year and a half into that period. I was like, okay, like I feel good. Like I feel ready. And then like the funny thing that happens is like no one's waiting for, you You know, you get to the other side of where I feel good about ready to date again. And I have no, nobody wants to (laughs) date me yet. Like I still had to like do the work. Like I was like, I thought it'd be easier to like find somebody once I felt ready to find somebody. Uh, And it was not. (laughs) Yeah, I do think I spent a lot of time in my like early 20s just thinking a lot about dating and not actually 
dating, right. <laughs> which was probably problematic in its own. Like I probably got like two in my head about this stuff and didn't just like let myself enjoy anything mm. because I was so wrapped up in like the thought behind what dating was or like how this was supposed to work. I think a lot of people don't know because our concept of dating you know, it's kind of relatively yeah. new. You know, that's something I also write about in the book, that the idea of like going out on dates until you get to the point where you decide to be together is kind of a relatively new development. Like it for, you know, much more of human history, it was like something arranged between families or, you know, circumstance of like somebody lived next door or whatever. Like it wasn't, yeah. it was more it, this going out thing that we do or did do as like the norm for courting is not been the norm very long and now people date without really any agenda or like even a clear like i'm looking for a relationship <laughs> or i'm not looking for a relationship i just like going on a lot of dates and so it's very confusing for everyone because we're just like not on the same page about what it means yeah i think that's because it's like i know you talk about this a lot in your book where you you kind of do a thing that i did probably around the same period of time maybe in like my later 20s but like where you mapped out, like, I want to go on X dates a week, right? Like, you kind of made it a task, right? And I very much did that, too, just to get out, like, mm-hmm. to meet people. Like, in my mind, like, this is a numbers game, and just putting myself out there is hard, so making myself go. But, yeah, like, it, I, the thing that I really like what you talk about is kind of, like, every date you're going on, you're almost, like, trying to figure out why they're there mm-hmm. right and like that is such a part of dating today is like not knowing kind of people's intentions and not and all, almost like and i feel like it is kind of weird to kind of ask that yeah <laughs> or it's been made weird by society where it shouldn't be a thing that's a weird question to it ask it has people. been made weird and i do think people are reluctant to pair up i also think like the standard of monogamy is changing really rapidly I don't think that's bad. I'm not like a prude and I don't think polyamory is bad, but I do think we live in a society and that society is pretty bad. And so there's not necessarily like the care and investigation going into polyamory or like ethical non-monogamy that makes it seem like a safe thing for everybody. So it's just like become very confusing where everyone's sort of defining their own idea of what's ethical within love and relationships. Yeah. And there's not a lot of consensus uh, and it makes people very vulnerable, especially people who are young. I mean, I'm vulnerable still at my age, my grand old age, <laughs> but I think it's like very easy to be like, oh, that sounds good. And then actually do it and be like, this doesn't work for me. And that could go either way, monogamy or polyamory, <laughs> like you know, yeah, either yeah. one. Uh, and I just do think there needs to be a lot more discussion about that in a way that isn't reactionary and it'd be like, you know, what do we owe each other? I, I think a lot of people think, oh, you should never expect anything from anyone no one owes you anything and that's true to an extent like yeah you can't you can you can't make anyone do anything but you can have expectations and be like these expectations aren't being met and i can't do this and it, that's okay that doesn't mean you're like you yeah. know closed off or whatever like you're allowed to have boundaries you're allowed to have things you want and to express what you want so i'm so, we're going off on a tangent here but <laughs> no but i think cuz to me this is all like part of this kind of the journey you went on right it's like you kind of realizing this stuff along the way yeah because like, i also like you know if, taking six years off from really dating i was immature i was like emotionally immature and my experience level had kept off when i was in my mid-20s so i didn't even know myself as an adult in romance and sex you know i had become an adult without that experience and so i had to kind of like play catch up so i think i made a lot of naive decisions and did you know 
ignorant things. <laughs> but yeah, so it's I because I kind of felt like that too, where I was like, oh, I'm 24 now, but I feel like I have like the the dating IQ of like an 18 year old because <laughs> I just don't I don't know how this works. But when you were dating, were you like looking for a relationship or just like- yes, yeah. But and I think that was see this is the thing that I look at more today. Like I kind of see more as like in my 30s of. Like, oh, I was on that, like, societal, like, this is what you're supposed to do. And I was taking it. I was, like, in that place at in college, right? When people are like, oh, we're just having casual things and looking. I was like, I'm supposed to find my part, like, the my life mm-hmm. partner, right? Like, I had that, like, weird uh, thing in my head at that age. And so I think that also made it a lot harder at the time that I put so much stakes on any potential something, right? Where I was like well, this could be this person. Yeah. I was like, I wasn't in a place to meet that person. And I was like probably putting way too much pressure on yeah. it at that age, you know? Um, Yeah. So I like, and I only think about that now, like, like looking back on it now, I was like, yeah, I was, I don't think I was dating the right way. At least at that eight, the age that I was. Well, I don't know if there's a right way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, that's, yeah. And at this, I sort of, I guess this goes back to what we were saying about like, expectations and sharing like what you're looking for at any given time yeah and what you're looking for changes too all throughout your life you know yeah well i guess that's the thing so you have this like that six-year gap and then kind of like put yourself out there a lot after that yeah so after i kind of went through my physical transformation i I guess i kind of wanted to just cap that off maybe i'm repeating myself but i just um I just want to express how addictive it is to suddenly be getting all this like positive feedback about how you are and, but also like have some little voice inside your head that says it's actually about how I look. Was there part of you that's like, Oh, I got to keep doing this. That was also going up against. Definitely. I think in a way I think, and this is really, I don't think people talk about it like this because it sounds offensive, (laughs) but I think there, sometimes it is actually easier to change yourself than it is to constantly every day wake up and be like, I'm going to be different and that's okay. You know, like sometimes it's more mentally exhausting to have to fight society's expectations every day than it is to conform. And I think that kind of brought me to this thought. I thought about that a lot when I was thinking about couplehood because I was like doing something that was an enormous amount of effort that changed me in this way. And I was getting all this positive feedback and it felt like it was something about me personally. And I was like, well, what if I were in a relationship? I bet I would be treated a lot better. (laughs) I bet I would be treated a lot better and it would be easier to maintain that relationship, whether or not it was better for me personally or not, whether it was a good relationship, just to be able to enter society with that, like, grease on the wheel you know like it just makes life easier yeah yeah to be in a relationship because our society is so built around this little like family unit and expectations are so built around this family unit so i really saw the two things in a similar way where it's like if you choose to conform your life will get easier in one way and that's like the way of joining society as it is right (laughs) yeah and i guess yeah so you're like hitting this point of you're like well there's this part of me that like likes this new way that people are treating me but i also know it's just like this weird farce yeah. because it felt really fake you know i mean it didn't feel bad yeah. it was fun to be treated like i was like sexy and engaging and charismatic and like <laughs> but i was the same fucking person i just like yeah know, that's the thing because you're not person. you're not any different right it's just like people's perception of you is based on the way we are as a society is like just putting different different i don't know a 
Like you're being seen through a different lens, even though you're the same person. I'm being assigned more value, even though I have not increased in value. Um, So anyway, I, after this little transformation, I decided to start dating. I was like, I'm not going to get any better at this if I don't practice. And I made a vow to myself to go on two dates a week, every week. Uh, And I just did it all summer long. And then I met somebody at the end of the summer who I really liked. And we had a connection and I was like, this is it. I did it. <laughs> you know, like I've triumphed. I did it. Yeah, like I won this game that I created. Exactly. I won this game that I created myself, but also that was like taught to me and fed to me all my life. Yeah, that society has also already created. Yeah, I was just like <laughs> signing up. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, I'll do it. Uh, and, you know, we didn't end up together. And like now with like time and more experience, it's like so it's so obvious from the beginning to the end of our connection, like why it didn't work out and it was never going to work out. Like he was not... Again, it's like saying expectations. He had no interest in being in a relationship. But when we were together, he treated me very much like we were intimate, like we were having a deeper connection than that was just sex. And that's the thing that happens a lot. And it's really confusing because intimacy means different things to different people. And to me, it means like you want more from me than just sex. That's not what I meant to him. (laughs) Or like maybe, you know, in the moment he felt like it was real, but then he didn't want to do the work of like making it actually real. Um. So it didn't work out. And I was kind of like, you know, I did all this work to make this thing happen and it still didn't freaking happen. Like, I'm not doing it again (laughs) because it's just. Yeah. Like it put you back into the place where you were at the dinner party, like the mindset you were at this dinner party. Yeah. It kind of put me back in this place where I was like recovering from rejection and rejection is a lot like grief. You know, you go through like different stages of accepting it. But the thing about grief is like we think of it as linear, but it's much more like cyclical. Like you go through these stages for shorter periods of time or like you'll feel one longer, like you'll be angry one day, sad another day, then accept it, then back to anger. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's not you don't finish the thing and you're done. It's like it comes you, you bounce back and forth on the no. stages of it. Um, but it's like a real physical feeling to be grieving, not only like the loss of this person for whatever you actually really shared, but all the imaginary futures you created with them. Right. Like, oh, I imagined we would in love and travel together and like hold hands at the restaurant i don't know what but like none of that's ever going to happen now so i'm like grieving all the stuff that didn't happen that i hoped would and i don't want to give away the end of the book but (laughs) no yeah i mean but the kind of like conclusion if there is one that i came to is that like all this effort that you can make to transform yourself and i did other things i mean we've talked a lot about the physical but I made a lot of efforts to change myself where I lived, what I was doing with my life, um, mental health care, all that good stuff. Like you can make all of those efforts and it might be really rewarding. And I think it is worthwhile to work on the things that you want to change about yourself if you think that something needs to change. It won't actually make all of us, it won't necessarily give you that access to couplehood, that access to conformity in a normal life. And a lot of the reasons people are lonely and isolated have nothing to do with what they are doing personally. There's a lot of external factors. Yeah, there's just so much out of people's control with some of this stuff. I guess a lot of this stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, we conflate like singleness and loneliness, but they're not really the same thing. Like there's all these like research on what loneliness means and how more people are lonely than ever. But when you actually like look at the data, it's not, oh, they're feeling ennui, they're sad. (laughs) It's like... They're horribly isolated due to poverty. They're like uh, elderly and have been cordoned off from the rest of society. They are saddled with medical debt that's like keeping them from being able to function in a normal way. Like 
people aren't lonely. They are like systematically isolated from one another. And it's a problem. Like the real, what people really want is community, but they can't have it and they can't access it because there's so many barriers in the way. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a very good point and thing to think about. So I guess like for you, it feels like this thing, well, like obviously uh, the thing you said is like anybody could feel loneliness at any point, regardless of where they are in life and who they're with and all that stuff. And so like, but then you say like, yeah, that's not being single. Right. And so it feels like you're somebody who is, I mean, obviously we all get lonely, but like you're, you're like, you have that point where you're like, yeah, I don't, the, the idea of having a partner to me isn't a thing that is a, a solution for loneliness, as you just kind of said, where like, it's not, I don't think it is, but I think it's what's offered to us most frequently because it's a lot yes. easier to be like, yeah. change yourself, get a boyfriend, get a girlfriend, you'll be happy rather than like, we need to change society, right? <laughs> like, because if it's an individual's problem that they're lonely or that they feel separated from their community or they have no community, then we can put it on them. It's like when somebody's sick, it's like, oh, uh, well, that's your problem. Like, you probably made yourself sick. You probably drank too much or you got to lose weight or whatever. And also yeah. in America, we have no health care. So, like, so it's yeah. like, again, on you to figure out how you're going to pay for that, <laughs> how you're going to pay for health care. Um, and with, like, loneliness, it's a similar thing where it's like, oh, there's some issue you have. It's keeping people from liking you or keeping you from falling in love. And that might be true. I don't know. Maybe I am the issue <laughs> in that regard. But I think perpetual loneliness and, and separation from others is not like an issue of needing to have a sexual or romantic partner. And I think a lot of people are lonely in relationships that they have chosen or stick with because they're afraid of like being removed from this success story <laughs> of having found a relationship. And, they're, and they are aware yeah. of how it will cut them off in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious because I know you've been like doing a lot of like interviews and whatever with people about this. Like do people who interview you or talk to you about this are like, oh, you'll find somebody now. Like now that you're you've publicly put this whole thing out there. I have had people say like, stuff like that to me. I I wrote an article for Times UK that went viral uh, on Twitter. Um, and I had like friends reach out and be like, you're going to get a lot of dates now or like. <laughs> and I also got messages from people who were like, let's get married, like str total strangers. And this is going to sound really awful, but the truth is, is I only like one person like every two years. Like, I just don't like that many yeah. people in that way. I have lots of friends and lots of connections. I appreciate people. But to be like, I'm going to give up my life and my autonomy to a certain extent or share it with you. I have to really like that person. <laughs> so it's not like I'm just like hoping somebody asks. Like, I wanted to be the right person. <laughs> It's funny because in my head, I'm like, they're still missing the point, right? Yeah. Like, those people are still like, oh, I can, like, they're in their head, they're like, I can yeah, fix I can this. fix like, her. I, can, I have a solution. <laughs> uh, it's like the amount of people are like, yeah, I have somebody I could set you up with. Yes. I mean, honestly, if a friend were like, oh, I have someone I could set you up with, I'd be like, okay, let me see a picture. Or like, you know, like, yes. if it was a friend, yeah. but random people reaching out to me, I feel like they're really misunderstanding the point. <laughs> And I do still hope that I get to have a, like, relationship in my lifetime. You know, I'm not dead yet. I do want that. But I don't think of it as, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, that will finally be the culmination of my story. It's not your no. end goal. <laughs> yeah. And I hope also that if it doesn't happen that I'm able to, like, appreciate the richness of my life because it does have so much in it that I love and appreciate. Yeah. Uh, but I know that there will be always a certain number of people, probably a lot, who will see a woman who, like, lives her whole life without getting married or being in a long-term relationship as a failure 
Or like as somebody who's, you know, could never have possibly been happy in any way. And that's hard to face off against. Like you can know your truth and it's still not easy <laughs> to always like keep it in mind. Yeah, like you could be totally okay with who you are, but you know that there are people who are not like actively against you, but like, yeah, can completely think a different way of this thing that you're not working towards achieving. I yeah. Guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't think people's perception should control what you do, but it's, you know, feeling it all the time. It's not easy to shake off always. Yeah. And I guess you putting yourself out in this public way, like you're, you're like not a target, but like, yeah, it makes it easier for people to kind of reach out to you in that way. Well, definitely. I mean, my brand now is like the loneliest girl in the world, right? Like I have to, con- I, I mean, I don't really want to keep writing about this subject. I feel like I've said what I have to say about yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> but I am continuing to have to promote it by talking about it. I like talking about it. I like hearing other people's opinions because it is a subject where people like really want to weigh in and be like, oh yeah, this happened to me. I had a friend who never did, you know, like it's touches on a lot of nerves for people. Yeah, I no, I agree. And I really enjoy reading it. And um, yeah, thank you so much for talking thank you to for me letting about me ramble. it in thank your you. life. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. Truly, it was a great, a great. We had a great little like wandering conversation about just love and relationships. And I don't know, loving yourself. I feel like that's a good lesson at the end of this day. Yes. Love yourself. But no, it's nothing you can buy. You don't do it just so you can attract somebody else to love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much, Jermaine, for sharing. Thank all you this. for having me. Um, yeah. If people, so if people like, I know if they want to maybe like follow you on social media, but also like, yeah, where if they want to read this book, what's the oh best way for them to do that? The book is called The Lonely Hunter How Our Search for Love is Broken. It's available at on pretty much any platform that sells books. Um, though I recommend buying it at your local bookstore if you can. And you can follow me on Instagram, A.A. Lutkin, A-A-L-U-T-K-I-N. And on Twitter, I'm at A. Lutkin. So that's me. Cool. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. This is how we love. This is how we fight for something that's right. Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Twitter and Instagram at lovehurtspod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. I'm Brian Berlin. And this is Love Hurts.